Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Mike Walls, former Pro Bowl offensive lineman, played 11 seasons for the Packers, the Panthers, the Seahawks. He's a skill development specialist now, founder of Process2Perform.com and host of the On My Block podcast with former Packers great Amon Green. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeWalls68. Mike, thank you for joining us off top every Monday this season. You've made us smarter. Make me smarter on this. How did Cincy do what it did to Buffalo with three starting offensive linemen out how do you scheme that up? Is it all Joe? How in the world they make it look so easy? Mike, do we have you? Oh, there you are. We got you. Hey, hey guys. Yeah, I heard your question. So, so for me, Joe Burrow is the best player in the league right now. Um, I've been saying for a couple. I mean, he he just does the, He just puts defenses in situations where they just don't know what the stress points are. And you see it against the, the Buffalo Bills this weekend. You look at their first drive. They do a good job of mixing up the run and pass. But it's it, there's nothing complicated about what they're doing. They they put receivers in positions to win on leverage. They make it's a simple read. He makes the right throw. He does more kind of pre-snap information digestion, I think, at a higher level than than other quarterbacks in the league right now. I think that's why he's playing at such at, at such a, a, a clip right now. And obviously, he's got some great receivers about him. But those offensive linemen, guys, when I say they're running against five in the box and the fifth guy is a safety, like they're running against five in the box at times, and they're they're moving in. They're they're moving out. Both of their starting linebackers by motion, and they're moving in. Taron Johnson, their nickelback, is playing middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. And you're going, well, of course these guys are going to be a run all day against them. They had some great individual matchups. I thought, in particular, number 79 for the, the Cincinnati Bengals, Jackson Carmen. Man, he had a not a good game. He had a phenomenal game as his first start ever. But it, the stress that Joe Burrow and those guys, Jamar Chase. The stress that they put on a defense is just unmistakable when you watch it. From Buffalo's perspective, the fact that and – and look, I know you're exactly right. Like, Joe Burrow was a big part of that. But, like, don't you have to find a way as a coaching staff to attack that? And they just – at no point ever in the game – were they able to identify that? I'm just I'm I'm looking at it more from the Buffalo standpoint. Just how disappointing an end. And even if you want to go back to last week, Mike. I mean, if 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 Miami has anybody other than Skylar Thompson at quarterback, it feels like they win that game. Um, I mean, what do you just make of the performance from the Buffalo coaching staff? And you know, they were the Super Bowl favorites coming into this year, and they didn't even get out of the divisionals. It's tough. It's it's really tough because you think, you know, Josh – so, Josh, I, you look at this, so let's start with Josh Allen. So, Josh Allen goes from, you know, that he had that big battle with Mahomes last week, last year, excuse me, in the in the divisional round. 
And it's just literally whoever got the ball last. Like, Josh Allen had an incredible game, and all of a sudden he's vaulted to. He's going to be the MVP. It's him and Mahomes now for the next however many years. And now he's behind Joe Burrow. So now there's two guys in the AFC that are, that are kind of at a higher status than he is. And he's not playing at it. I mean, he's having so many turnovers, and they're just inefficient. When you watch their team yesterday, it's like they forgot that it was snowing outside, and they just did the same, hey, we're going to push the ball deep. We're going we're gonna to always push the ball deep. We're going to make him make second and third level throws. And then on third down, Josh Allen's going to do Josh Allen things. And the Cincinnati Bengals just, quite frankly, weren't having any of it. And he was holding the ball too long. He wasn't hitting his checkdowns on time. And then, those, you know, they start bringing blitzes off the slot. They start bringing corners. They start bringing linebackers. And he's stuck looking downfield trying to make these big plays. And they're just not putting him in, in my opinion, they're not putting him in situations uh, advantageous situations given the strength of Lou Anaroma and his defense. Should it be them or Cowboys? Because I, right, I mean, because if you look at Giants and Jags, and I know you know that Jags game was much closer, but both of those teams overachieved in terms of if you're looking back on this season and with everything yeah. you just laid out with the Bills and John too about you know not not attacking, which one should be more disappointed? That one at home as well. Is it Bills or or is it Cowboys in terms of the missed opportunity, Mike? Which one's more disappointed? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, so I would pick. I picked the Niners and the Bengals to win both these games. So I don't really see. I honestly don't see either of these as upsets. Um, I, you think the Bills are going to show more than ten points? Let's let's say that. Yep. Uh, and you know when you look at Dallas guys, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are a good football team against bad football teams. I don't know. I don't know how really good they are in these situations. They haven't proven under Dak Prescott and McCarthy and these guys that they're. They're going to win these kind of games, and they're going against. Uh, you know, people forget because they had such an explosive offense the week before. But the Niners are the best defense in the league for a reason. And when you watch that game, if it's not Bosa, it's Fred Warner, it's Funga. I mean, they are everywhere, swarming to the football. I thought the da- I thought the Dallas Cowboys defense played at a championship level yesterday, and it really just came down to the Dallas Cowboys have a problem at quarterback because they've given a player who is a, you know, for me, he's a guy that I root for. He seems like a great leader. His care, he has no character issues, but I think there's a ceiling for Dak Prescott right now as, as it stands, whether he can be coached, you know, to be a, a higher level player or less mechanical, less methodical and more, you know, more of a Patrick Mahomes type, more of a Joe Burrow type. I don't know, but I, it seems that there's a ceiling on his ability to get a team to the next level, and I don't know what they, where they go from here. Did you think there was something that Dallas maybe showed defensively? I mean, because, look, I, that, that, that was a hotly contested game, and the turnovers were clearly the difference there. But do you think there was something that Dallas showed that maybe Philly will, will try to you know, recreate defensively on Brock? Because, I mean, look, if, you know, without that amazing catch from George Kittle, who knows how different this game looks. Was there something there that Dallas did that you think worked, perhaps, on that 49ers offense? Yeah, so early on in the game, the 40, so the 49ers, their run game is amazing. And I've talked about it before, uh, I think on the show, is, is when you look at Kyle Juszczyk and, and George Kittle and the way that they kind of create mismatches, their pre-stamp motions, um, being lead blockers, turning kind of what are traditional power and counter plays into just leads from fullback and the tight end. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence in particular, but which is like one of the most underrated players in the National Football League. I know that Michael Parsons is a great player, but you, like I've watched, I've broken out like five, six games of the Cowboys this year. And Demarcus Lawrence is, is like, he might be the guy. He is a, an absolute stud. 
And DeMartin's Lewis and, and company really shut down the, like kind of the blocking ability to go on a scrimmage of use, check, and kill. They really did a great job of kind of attacking those edges. Because right down the middle of the 49ers offensive line isn't great, right? Trent Williams is great. And the rest of the guys are just kind of guys. So I think they won where they needed to win. When you look at attacking Brock Purdy, they just they got a field, they created pressure, and they were relentless to the, in pursuit of the football. And you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles had 70 sacks going into the game uh, on Saturday. So if you have 70 sacks, I mean, I, I've never even heard. That's not even a real number, guys. I mean, the NFL, if you have a 70-sack team, I mean, that just, that just it, it literally to me sounds like a, like a made-up number, but they're that good. You look at their uh, – I think you look at their stats, Reddick's got 16, Sweat's got 11, Graham's got 11, Cox has 7, Hargraves has 11. Sacks, I mean, in one season. So when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles against the San Francisco 49ers, the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles can play at, you know, it, it, their first and second string edge guys can keep up with the, the blocking schemes of the San Francisco 49ers. They can get after up the middle, Fletcher Cox, Hargraves. Like, I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to have a really difficult time blocking those two guys in particular. And that might be what the game comes down to. Can they stop the pressure of the middle? I have no doubt that Trent Williams is going to be able to stone whoever's in front of him. But, you know, that middle pressure, when it gets into passing situations, that's going to be the difference in the game. I, I, I'm with you on that. Being a, let me ask you this as a player. Does having been there last year, right, at this point, NFC Championship, does that give you any advantage, whether mental, whether small at all, or do you just toss that out the window year to year? I realize it's Brock Purdy and, you know, Technically, a, a different squad, but a lot of these guys have been here. Does that does that matter, Mike? At this point of the of the year? Well, I mean, you can look at it the other side, and you guys like Fletcher Cox and and, and Brandon Graham, Super Bowl with the Eagles, right? So, true. I mean, there's there's some relevancy there that I think is probably probably more so with the 49ers in the game last year. You know, for me, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that goes that comes with going to an NFC or an AFC championship game. Um, having been there myself, it's you, you realize that you realize that you're in the moment. Like this is what you've been, you know, waiting your whole career for. So there is there is that part of it. But at the at, at the snap of the ball, all that matters is can you beat the guy in front of you. And kind of all that other stuff goes out the window. So leading up to it, how you prepare, I think, makes a difference. And, and maybe your nerves are your nerves are a little bit calmer during the week, knowing if you've been there before. But I think when these guys, you know, when the kickoff hits uh, next weekend, both this is going to be a really fun game. Because you're looking at just, I mean, there's just guys. When if you're a fan of offensive and defensive line, and you know, kind of like the 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 lunch pail guys, yeah. you know, the Kittles, the Ushcks, um, this is going to be an amazing football game because everybody in the box can bang, and uh, I can't wait to watch this game. I'm excited about it. Talking to Mike Wall, Pro Bowl, former Pro Bowl offensive lineman here on the show, joins us every single Monday. Uh, the other side, of course, is Kansas City, Cincinnati, perhaps. Uh, maybe it won't be the matchup everybody wants it to be because of the injury to Patrick Mahomes. Um, how do you break this one down? You know, factoring in the the injury there to Mahomes and how that may or may not affect him. I think Joe Burrow is playing at a higher level than anybody in the league right now. As far and we talked about it, just like as far as like pre snap, what he's able to do, what the information he's able to take in and, and change the play at the line of scrimmage, make the right read, just make he makes simple stuff look simple. He makes a lot of stuff that's difficult look simple as well, but he, like, unlike Josh Allen this weekend, he makes simple stuff look simple. He makes routine throws look like routine throws. Patrick Mahomes is kind of a magician, right? We, we all kind of look at him in awe because he makes these plays every, every week where they might have the perfect play called on defense, and he can just kind of pull something out of a hat, right? He might, he might throw a no-look pass. He might throw across his body. He's just got incredible arm strength, and he's an athlete, but he does a lot of this stuff kind of 
not when things break down necessarily, but he's creating opportunities. If he's not able to create opportunities and you just look at him as a pocket passer, he's really, really good, but Joe Burrow is better. Joe Burrow is a better pocket passer, and he's got better weapons. So if, if we're just taking Patrick Mahomes as he's going to play, but he can't scramble, I look at the Cincinnati Bengals being a better football team in their current state than, than the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, a lot of that is going to be predicated, and they've, I know they have three victories on them, but you know, you're going into Kansas City again. It's a hard place to play. It's the AFC Championship game. They've done it before, uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to do it four times in a row, but I, I tell you, I, I keep saying this every week. I said it from last season. I've just never seen anything like Joe Burrow in this generation. He's just different than everybody else. He's just better than everybody else. I agree with everything you said. There's no denying the Bengals at this point. I guess I would ask, how much more and better equipped are the Chiefs, Andy Reid, that defensive line, to attack the potential weaknesses of that offensive line than, say, Sean McDermott or you know anybody else, basically? I think it's fair to say, you know, Von Miller not being there. I know Jordan Phillips was back last last week, but it was, you know, first week back in a while. You know, it's not like the, the Buffalo Bills are really scary on defense from the defensive line standpoint. Um, Chris Jones is scary. And Frank Clark played really well last weekend. Um, and, you know, he's a little bit older now, but he's, he's still capable. I think he had, you know, a couple titles for loss and he had one or two sacks. Chris Jones is a scary dude. And if you put up, you know, if like Matt Sharping is going to be playing against Chris Jones, you're going to take, you know, 10 times out of 10, you're going to take Chris, um, along with a couple other guys on that, on that line. When he moves out to uh, play against the right tackle as well, it'll be like that's a legitimate, you know, concern. But Joe Burrow, if you watch, I, went, I literally just went and broke down the tape again, guys. Like if you just watch this dude, he just gets their, he, you know, they don't run a lot of motion. They just kind of go to two by two, three by one. Every once in a while, they have an alert play. But he's just kind of put him in the right position to be successful. He understands where the soft spots are, and he just throws the ball. It's not always pretty. He doesn't throw a perfect spiral every time. He just is able to make the situation work. Like his Rolodex of plays pre-snap and his Rolodex of what he's seen from a defense pre-snap is, is very, very unique. And I just don't know, as good as a guy like Chris Jones is, he might make a play or two here or there, I have no doubt. But – it's, it just doesn't make any sense, for me at least, to, to bet against Joe Burrow these days. And then the last thing, Mike, any part of you just want to grab Aaron Rodgers and just shake him and say, look, man, just, just give us an answer one way or the other. Or, or is this now, and, and maybe he's earned it, you know, the, the right to go out publicly, hey, I don't know if the best position is Green Bay or maybe somewhere else. I mean, would you, would you like a little bit more conviction out of him at this point? Has he earned the, you know, this at this point of his career? Do you just roll your eyes at it? What are you doing with Aaron here? Yeah, there's a lot of – if I spend any, uh, any, even a millisecond on it, I'd probably just to roll my ass towards the stealing back. Um, I, it, for me, he, he's he's a great player. He's kind of if he wants to, if he wants to. Aaron's in a really unique situation because he's got so much power there. Right. And he's, he has more power there now than he ever had, despite being at this kind of advanced age. Because they brought in, you know, Matt Lafleur was a young coach when they brought him in. And so he conceded a lot of power to Aaron Rodgers, power at the line of scrimmage, but also that, that translates to power in the locker room. You know, Mike McCarthy, sure, all these other guys, they, they, it was their way of doing business, period. Like the buck stop with Mike. You can say a lot of things about Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, the buck stops with him, right? You're not, you're not running something he doesn't want you to run. And I, that was ultimately, I think, why it didn't work out for mm-hmm. them. So they brought in somebody who's a little bit different that's more collaborative. But now, like, Aaron's got a ton of power. 
And so when when he comes out and says this stuff, like he he's very calculated. I'm sure Aaron doesn't want to come off as as a bad guy. He kind of wants the Green Bay Packers, the fan base, everybody to kind of come to the conclusion that he's already set in his mind without him having to say it directly. So he's going to you know dance around this until Goody or Matt or somebody either you know puts their foot down and says enough is enough, or they keep conceding, in which case. It's working out exactly like he wants. So he doesn't really have to sit here and be the bad guy. We can complain about him talking to the media. The reality is he's not having to say anything that, not, that, that other people aren't thinking. He doesn't have to look like the bad guy. He's going to force the action to be made by the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, he was going to come out smelling like roses. I want to ask you one last thing before we let you go, Mike. And it's, it's a little off the beaten path, but I was watching this, this video uh, that <clears throat> I think uh, you know, a, a Jacksonville reporter posted on Twitter after the game. As Trevor Lawrence is leaving Arrowhead, he actually stops when he gets to the tunnel and he turns around and he waits for every single one of his teammates to pass him by and, oh, wow. and gives him a hug and slaps him on the ass and all that. Like just basically a show like, hey, thank you for this season. I believe in you. Like when when you see a young quarterback do something like that, and he wasn't doing it for the cameras, like I don't know. I, I came away feeling very impressed about him and and I, I don't know where you are on him. He feels like the next sort of group of generational talents in the NFL. He looks great. I mean, Doug Peterson going down there was the best thing that could have happened for that football team. And yep. Trevor, right? Doug's such a great leader and such a great human um, and quarterback mentor. Uh, I, you, you can't help but not like Trevor Lawrence, uh, not from only from a skill set standpoint, but I think everything he brings is intangible. He's been a winner since day one, you know, since he was in high school. Um, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs in his career, I'm sure, and, and, and certainly being with Urban Fire was a big down. But I think I think the I think you're absolutely right. You know his his uh, his his star is, is pointing up, and he, he's going to be ascending here for a couple of years. I think you know there are another. I, the problem is you're in the AFC, and and you're in Joe Burrow. Yep. You're in, you're in Joe Burrow territory. You're in Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes territory. Like the the road to get to the uh, promised land in the AFC for the foreseeable future is really, really tough. I mean, it's, it's murderer's row on, on, for the AFC championship. And as good as I think Trevor Lawrence and those guys can be, you saw some deficiencies, obviously, not only from yep. kind of what they're able to do on the line of scrimmage. I mean, you know, they go into that game, and you're just seeing a ton of cover, too, and they're just not challenging in the middle of the field at all. Uh, they just don't quite have the run game that they want right now. Defensively, you know, they need to, they need to bulk up the middle. But they have... There's, there's a lot of pieces in place. The most important piece is being the head coach and the quarterback are there. So I'm, I'm excited for his future. You know, when you, when you talk about the, the tunnel thing, the last thing I'll say is I think you see a lot of that from a lot of, of, of leaders, young and old, in the league. It got highlighted here. Um, not to take anything away from what he did because I, I, it is a, a great demonstration of leadership. There's a lot of unsung heroes on that team, I'm, I'm sure, as well. They just don't have the camera on them all the time. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Mike, man, I always appreciate the Thank perspective you so much, and the breakdowns. Brother. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. See you. He is Mike Wall, Pro Bowl offensive lineman, uh, played with the Panthers, several other teams, the Packers. Appreciate his time every single Monday here. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the why. And visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is Electrified Diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.